Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. So the topic, this, this micro-series we're in right now is called, I'm Not Okay. And Pastor Nate had asked me to teach this week, and when he told me the topic was fear, I'm not okay because I'm fearful, immediately I was like, huh, I'm not okay now. Um, <laughs> But what's interesting is I've been, I was, I've been persuaded by somebody in Awakened Church who's a very logical, structural thinker. I won't say his name out loud, Josh Brimmer, but he was working on me for eight months to listen to this podcast about Bigfoot. I was like, I don't know, that's kind of weird. But I listened to one episode, and then I listened to the second episode, and I'm fully hooked on this Bigfoot podcast. It's, it's awesome. But he's going through it, and... In this podcast, he uses Bigfoot as a launching point to, to talk about other topics, and he gets to this topic of giants. And what's interesting is I, I got to episode number eight, and Pastor Nate asked me to teach, and the topic was fear. And then Pastor Nate gave me the actual scriptures, and what do you think it's all about? Giants. It's this fear that these people had, and now they're... they're uh, trying to battle these giants. And so I thought, wow, that's going to be an interesting subject. So again, we're in a micro series called I'm Not Okay. And if you've got these cards on your chairs, uh, pray about it. If, if you want to write in there, maybe what you're not okay about, I, mine's full. I don't know if you guys can see it, but you can put a lot, put a little, you don't have to put anything. Um, you've also got a, one on the website, Awaken page, homepage, where you can go in there and do a digital. And then those, those will come to the prayer team. We can pray for them and and just uh, lift up your situations. But I thought it was interesting last week when Pastor AJ was talking through, he said what he's not okay with is being overwhelmed. And in his message, he mentioned the word crippling. It's, it's, when, it's, when you're overwhelmed, it cripples you. Well, one of the main things that I'm going to talk about in my message is this idea of fear paralyzing you. And it's not a copyright issue because I had the notes written before uh, last week. So when he said it, I was like, ah, okay. But it's very true. A lot of times this, this topic of I'm not okay, it stops you from doing what God wants you to do. And it stops you from going where God wants you to go just because we're not okay. So the topic and the title today is I'm not okay, I'm fearful. But I want you to know right off the, right off the, the get-go, some fear is good. Like, for instance, fear would keep me from walking off the ledge at the Grand Canyon. Fear would keep me from sticking my finger in a a light socket. Fear would keep me from drinking radiator fluid. It looks like Kool-Aid. So some fear is good, but being fearful is where I'm not okay. And what I want to go through today is kind of quickly bounce through some biblical history of some giants. I want to point out the children of Israel as they're moving through, you know, they're moving to the promised land, they get right up to the edge, and, you know, things didn't look like they thought it was going to look. They got fearful. Um, and then just kind of wrap it up and tie it all together. I'm real thankful again to, to get the opportunity to, to teach here. But I want to tell you um, the conclusion of my entire message right now. We're four minutes in. The conclusion is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. And it says, fear God, keep his commandments. Now, if you've read Ecclesiastes, you see that he's, 
he's capturing pretty much the whole human spectrum, all the things that make us uh, men and, and women. And he says the conclusion of everything is to fear God and keep his commandments. And so I could stop right there and I know the Holy Spirit would work on you and he would shape that because that is the word of God. But we have another 30 minutes here to talk about this issue. So I'm gonna pray and we'll get into it and see what God's got for us. Lord, thank you for this morning. I just ask right now, God, that you would go in front of us. Lord, you would lead the way. Lord, you would fight the battles. It's not, it's not even our battle, Lord, it's yours. And I pray that you would just equip us to fight it the way you'd have us to fight it on our knees in prayer, trusting the finished result in Jesus Christ. God, we just ask that you're here today. Be, be strong, be powerful, be gentle, be all the things that we need right now, God, for, for you just to, to be magnified. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. So getting back to it, it's okay to have some fear, but where I'm not okay is when I'm fearful. And when I understand fear as a whole, when I just dissect it and I look at fear and I see what's behind the fear or I see what's in front of the fear or I see what's to the right or to the left, when I see fear and I understand what it is, then I can begin through the power of the Holy Spirit to to guard that part of my heart that's easily affected by fear. And the entire Bible is filled from cover to cover of stories of fearful situations of people trying to make it to where God's telling them to go. And the entire battle, this entire struggle is for the heart of mankind. It's that we would surrender our hearts to Jesus Christ. And at the outset of this message, God's not asking you to be perfect. He's just asking you to surrender. Whatever it is, whatever it is that might be keeping you from going where he's telling you to go is to surrender it. And I make all kinds of bad decisions at work, at home, in my car, driving to church sometimes. And then I, and then I realize I, I, I regret some of the things I say and some of the things I do and some of my reactions to people. And, I, and I'm like, Lord, why did I do that? What, what was it that just caused that? And do you know that almost all the time it's fear? Like I'm driving like a crazy person out here because I'm fearful that I'm not going to make it to church on time. <laughs> what is that? It's a fear-based decision that, that I'm, I'm basing it off fear whether I know it or not. And that's where we want to get to a point where we're not locked in to fear. I want to give a quick history of some biblical knowledge. We have the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then Numbers is where we're going to end up today. Well, in Genesis 1-1, we all know the saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But then if you're a Bible scholar, you read your Bible, you see in the New Testament, John 1-1 says the same thing. In the beginning was what? Was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So how do I figure out Genesis 1-1 and John 1-1? Well, the difference is very easy. Genesis 1-1 is the beginning of time and the beginning of everything we know. We have 60-second minutes, 60-minute hours, 24-hour days, 30-day months, and on and on. That is, that is in the beginning of time as we know it and we understand it, and our science and our history and evidence and all that stuff goes back to that. But John 1-1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In that beginning, somewhere in that time, God created things. God created beings that are not you and I. 
And those are called angels. Those are called the Elohim. Those are called the council. They're, there's all kinds of names for them. There's the sons of God. These are, these are what we all look at the, the Hallmark cards and we see angels and we're like, oh, this is so cute. But God created that somewhere in that time frame. And then we get to Genesis 1, the creation of everything. And then we get to Genesis 2, mankind is made. Genesis 3, man sins. We blast right through Genesis 4 and Genesis 5. But if you read Genesis 5 and just translate the names, it's a genealogy in Genesis 5. If you just translate the names, you'll see the gospel laid out. It's basically God comes down to mankind and he is our rest. That's what the names translate to. And so, of course, the enemy who's been there behind all this mess, he knows that as well. And so what does the enemy do? He tries to raise up Cain to kill Abel. He tries to cause all kinds of deception and all kinds of crazy bad things that happen. And the the problem is God is going to redeem you and I through a man and through God, the God-man Jesus Christ, who's all God, all man, all the time. So the enemy knows this plan and he can't, He can't cause us to kill each other off. He can't cause this sin or this temptation to destroy us. So what does he do? In Genesis 6, we blast through this every time because it's kind of weird. It doesn't really make sense. But it says, the the sons of God saw these human women and that they were beautiful. And the sons of God came down and did whatever they wanted to them. And they impregnated human women. And the byproduct of these angels mating with humans is what? Giants. The technical term is Nephilim. So this, this idea that Satan couldn't, couldn't stop this plan of God redeeming mankind through man, he decides to pollute God's plan by injecting giants into the story. But we always read Genesis 6 and 7, and we're like, wow, the world got flooded. What's next? But there's a lot to it. God floods the earth because mankind is just filled with so much violence and so much evil, and it's just... You know, we're copying these giants that are eating each other, and it's rough, man. But God floods the earth in Genesis 6 and 7. Genesis 11, God comes down and confuses the language because these guys are building a tower up in the heavens, and all my Christian walk, I'm just like, ah, why would God confuse their language? But if you look at it, what they're doing is they're building this tower. They want that knowledge that those angels had brought down, and so God said, no, I need your heart. I told you guys to go out and populate the earth. I told you to disperse. I'm going to confuse your language. We get to Genesis chapter 15. There's a guy named Abraham comes on the scene. God gives Abraham a promise, and that promise is land, it's blessings, it's descendants. He's going to give him people. But one of the key things there is he promises him this, this promised land. This amazing land is what he promises Abraham. But he tells him, your people are going to be in bondage for 400 years before you get this promise. We get to Exodus And God remembers the promise he made Abraham and he goes in and now he pulls his people out of bondage. We know the story, children of Israel locked in Egypt. God pulls them out and they saw miracle after miracle after miracle. There's a lot of of stuff. A lot of those miracles were aimed at their their fallen angels, their Elohim, their, their demonic people that they worshiped in Egypt. God did a miracle that hit that one, did a miracle that hit that one. But God pulls them out and now what do they do? They complain, and they complain and complain and complain. And the majority of those complaints are what? Fear-based. They're complaints that are based off fear, and these guys start complaining, and God's leading them out. And now we get to Numbers chapter 13, which is where our text is today. 
Numbers chapter 13. And what's going on is the children of Israel are right up to the edge. They're right to the place where God wanted them to go. He led them to the promised land. And if you read Numbers chapter 13, it looks like God sends spies into the land. But if you go read the Deuteronomy chapter 1 version of this story, it's a little bit different. The people pester Moses, and they're in on Moses, and they're, say, they're telling Moses, please let us send spies, let us seek out the land. So you do with that theology how you will. I'm going to say that the people were led to where they need to go. They needed to go and take possession of the land, but fear caused them to want to spy it out and look at it. So now we're at, we're at Numbers chapter 13, verse 25, says this. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation. And they showed them what? The fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we want this land that you sent to us, or we went to this land you sent to us, and it truly flows with milk and honey. And look, this is its fruit. So it seems like this initial report is a good one. They bring back fruit. They talk about the land flowing with milk and honey. It, it, it confirms this Abrahamic covenant and promise of land that God's leading them to. And they mention the fruit two times. I, I find that interesting every time I go through this. But then what happens? Look at verse 29. 29 says, the Amalekites or I'm, t- I'm sorry, 28 says this. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. So their initial response is good, man. This is good. There's fruit. The land's flowing with milk and honey. And then they come back and they start saying, ooh, there's giants there. We got the Amalekites. We got the Hittites. We got the Jebusites, the Canaanites. We got all these people that they're afraid of. And, and probably the only people group that they probably should have been afraid of is maybe the Hittites. They were the ones that, that ushered in the, the uh, Iron Age. And I don't know if you've ever Googled the Iron Age, but it's interesting. You got the Stone Age, Bronze Age, Iron Age. And I read the history of the Bronze Age, and I'm very confused. How did we figure out how to do that stuff? You get to the Iron Age. How did we figure out how to do that stuff? It goes back to that angelic knowledge coming down, but that's another message. So these guys are fearing all these people groups, the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites. They're really scared of them. But the only two groups in there are who? The Anakin and the Amorites. So in a situation like this, God's leading you where you know you have to go. He's directing your, your steps. He's, he's leading you to this place. Who do you listen to? Look at verse 30. It says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to take possession of the land. So you... You're not able to get to God's promised land if you're paralyzed by fear. And who should you listen to? Because I assure you, as a child of God, you have 
a man you can listen to. And he wants to lead you. He wants to take you to that promised land. He is well able with you to take possession of that land. And his name is Jesus Christ. The crowd is almost always, always going to be fearful. But God has that person in your life. And I love the, the song selection that the worship team did today. I'll fight on my knees. Sometimes that's the only way you're going to fight through a situation is on your knees. And it's Jesus Christ that will remind you to get on your knees. If you forget. Verse 31, 33 says this. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. It's a little bit different than verse 27, isn't it? This land devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak. They came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. I find it interesting that they list off six groups of people and only two of them are giants. The other, the other four are all people. And the giants that they're listing, are they're, they're, they're very real giants. Amos is a minor prophet. And he talks about them in Amos chapter 2, verse 9. He says, these Amorites are as tall as cedar trees. So it's no doubt that these guys are real giants. But here's where, here's where it takes a little bit of a, a twist here. They make an interesting statement in verse 33. It's a statement that I hope you remember for the rest of your life. Because it's a horrible statement. These spies admit to looking at themselves like grasshoppers. They say, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So maybe you're here. God's telling you to do something. God's telling you to go somewhere. God's telling you to make whatever it is, do whatever you do. But you're looking at yourself like a grasshopper. Maybe like this little, tiny, insignificant, weird creepy thing that hops around. And I promise you this. I promise you this. If you see yourself like a grasshopper, the enemy sees you like a grasshopper as well. I want you to think about how you see yourself. Now, I have the exact opposite. I don't, I don't want you to overinflate your view of yourself like me. When I walk by a mirror, the rock is looking back at me. I can't stop it. It just, that's what I see. I know it's not real. So I don't want you to go that far. But what I want you to do is when you see yourself, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a little tiny grasshopper? Or do you see yourself as a child of God bought by the blood of Christ and you're going to crush some giants? I have a coworker who's a pretty tough guy. And he was telling me about his cats. He has three cats. My wife's a cat lover. She was here for a service. But these two cats are normal size. And then this third cat's like this little tiny 
tiny thing. I think he says maybe a pound and a half, two pounds. He's a very small cat. But the cat sees himself as a pit bull. Like he sees himself as something else. And he says when the doorbell rings, the cat will start growling. He's just chomping at the bit. And this is a little tiny runt cat. He said if the, if the people come in the house and the family's not there to guard the people, the cat will attack them. I was like, man, that's a cool cat. He said the cat will attack dogs out on the sidewalk. If a, if a stray dog comes, this little thing will start attacking it. But I want to assure you that there's not a thought in that cat's mind that he's a grasshopper. He sees himself as a pit bull. And in, in, in the power of Jesus Christ, we can be that. So we get to point number one, and it's very simple this. The fear of God says go, but the fear of man says no. So God saved you and I for a very good purpose. It was his purpose and his design that he saves us. And maybe, again, you're at the edge of whatever it is that he's been telling you to go and telling you to do, and you're at the promised land. But what do you do? Maybe he wants you to step into that decision you're trying to make. You've been praying about it for weeks and months, and you're trying to figure out, God, do I do this? Do I not do this? Can I go here? Can I do this? And maybe he just wants you to step into it, but maybe you don't see yourself in the right light. Maybe you're struggling with that, that idea of, I can't do this. There's someone way more qualified than me. I'm, I'm not the person that can do that. I want to challenge the way you see yourself. Instead of seeing yourself as small and insignificant, maybe see yourself as a giant slayer. Think about David, young, young man, just, just killed a giant, man. <laughs> Drove by a house out here, kind of by Tiny Town the other day, and, and people are getting their Halloween decorations out and stuff, and they got this skeleton that's like 12 feet tall, and I drove by that thing, and I was like, ah, that's scary. Can you imagine that thing having skin and flesh and, and it being alive? Like, how do you fight that thing? Do you choose fear or do you, or, or do you choose faith? That's what it boils down to. Do I choose fear or do I choose faith? Point number two, the fear of God frees us. The fear of man freezes us. They're very different. It's spelled almost the same way. But the fear of God frees us to get in there and do what he's called us to do. But the fear of man is what freezes us to, to sit back and just wonder, am I, am I going into the promised land? There's giants in there. There's really scary things in there. And this is the point of today's message. I'm not okay if I'm fearful. Some fear is okay, but I'm not okay if I'm fearful. God's brought you this far, and he wants to keep going. He wants to take you wherever it is that he's called you to go. And you know where that's at. You might be battling with how to get there, but you know God's put that on your heart. You're, you're going this direction. You got to get there. And if you're here last week, Pastor AJ said something very profound. I almost fell out of the, I think I was sitting where Melissa is, almost fell out of the seat. He stood right here and he said, stop asking God to help you if you're not going to go and do what, he's, what he needs you to do. That was profound. 
See, the whole thing is that God, he wants your heart and your heart's not governed by your mind. They're two different things. And if my heart is in line with what it is that God wants me to do, then he, he comes alongside that and he adds fruit to that situation. Let me ask you this question. When it, when it, when it comes to fear and being paralyzed and being frozen, has anybody in here ever had a blister? Don't lie. I know there's army guys. We've all had them, right? You get a blister on your foot, and like it doesn't matter. You could be like this really tough guy, but you're like kind of baby. Ugh. Got this blister, and I know it's there. And all I really have to do is take that needle and whew, it's done. But that's scary. That's scary. Just just doing that. Like if, if Josh, can you just yeah? Thanks. It's scary. I'm not going to do it on my own. Or what about a splinter? Has anybody had a splinter in here? And you get that splinter, and you're like, ooh. And you just kind of like act like it's not there. And a few days later, it's kind of getting infected. And you're like, ooh, that, yeah. And all you have to do is just dig that, just dig it out. And you, and you just wait. But eventually, what happens? Eventually, you dig that splinter out. And wow, it's completely painless. There's no pain at all. It's, it's gone. Or what about a guy that's got his arm broken? Think about this. If you're a little kid and you break your arm, or a big kid, you break your arm. This thing hurts like crazy. And I know the doctor's coming, and I know that he's going to set it. He's going to put it back in place, but my fear freezes me from me trying to put it back in place. I'm not putting that thing back in place. The doctor's coming, and he's the one that's going to set it in place. But my fear freezes me in that moment. But the fear of God frees me up. And if that doctor breaks it and sets it back in place, I don't know what that feels like, but I know it heals, right? I know, I know it's what God has for us. Like I started off with, I've, I personally have made choices that I regret. I've, I say things sometimes. I do things at work, at, at, at church, at, at driving to church. And I, I can never take those things back. They're there. I can apologize, but I, I can never really get those things back. But the core of the majority of every one of those things that I regret, the core is fear. Fear drove me. Fear was the thing that was enabling me to be grumpy or edgy. But you know what Galatians 5, and 23 says? It says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's, that's the fruit of the Spirit. And when I'm out of control or I'm ugly or I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make things happen too fast, it's because I'm not walking in the Spirit. I'm not indulging in the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not bearing any fruit. And the reason I'm not bearing fruit is because I've given in to fear. There's something inside of me that has to go. It has to die. That fear has to be gone. And sometimes, sometimes God will lead me right to the promised land. He'll lead me there. And ever since I've been saved, God's been leading me in directions. And he's been steering me in paths and making choices. And, and I get right to where I think he's trying to send me. And then what do I do? I begin analyzing the path. Like God tells me to go, but I start analyzing my path. 
And it's in that moment when I stop having faith in Jesus Christ that now I'm trying to figure out my path. And I might see a giant. I might see something. I might give in to that fear. I think the worst thing I can ask God is, is there somebody else that can do this, Lord? Can somebody else do what you've told me to do? I want to ask you guys, is there something in your life right now that God is trying to do in your life? You know he's trying to do it, but you just, you you can't fight this thing, right? Is he bringing you to the place where you can see the promise of God and you see it, but what happens? The fear of man freezes you from walking into whatever it is that God's telling you to do. Have you ever been to that place? See, the journey that you're on, the path that you're on, I almost 100% assure you it's not going to look the way you thought it was going to look or the way even today you think it should look. But God's bringing you to that place. We need to go where he sends us and we need to do what he tells us to do. So giants, in my estimation, do not currently walk the earth. They, They may. I don't think they currently walk this planet. But I will tell you this. Fear is a giant. He's one of those giants out there. And the enemy knows God's plan. He knows that God had planned from the beginning to redeem us through Jesus Christ, through a bloodline of human, human blood. And his son, Jesus Christ, all God, all man, paying for your sin on the cross. The enemy knew that almost from the beginning. And what did he do? He came in. He couldn't stop it. He couldn't get Cain to kill enough people. He couldn't get enough of us to to be tempted with all these other things. So what does he do? He tries to pollute God's plan by introducing these angelic beings and polluting the DNA of humanity. Well, you and I in this room, the moment we're saved, the moment you're bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ and you walk in the new covenant and you're a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, at that moment, you know what God's plan is for your life. You might not know how to walk in it, but you know there's a plan. God didn't just save me from the ghetto or or the, the, the Wall Street. He didn't save me from those two places just to be comfortable and be kind. I'm just... I'm, I know God's given me a plan. I'm going to walk in this plan. But what happens if we choose fear over faith? In that moment, God's telling you to do something, but you choose fear over faith. What happens when that takes place? God's told you the plan. All you got to do is walk in it. But when you choose something other than what God's telling you to do, You can't stop the plan, but you can pollute it. You can change it. And what have you just done? You have created a giant. What if the thing that God's, the the thing that's inside of you that is so fearful right now, what if that thing is a part of God's plan for your life? 
Whatever it looks like, however that fearful thing is, what if that is actually a part of the plan that God has for you? Look, if God says, go, and man says, no, I'm not doing that, God. That's very scary. What do you think happens? That fruit of the spirit we just talked about, love, joy, peace, patience. If, I, if fear says no, the giant eats the fruit. All that fruit that you saw in there in numbers, they mentioned it twice. We know we need to walk in the spirit. We need fruit. But if I say no to God, the enemy in the form of a giant, whatever that looks like, come and eats the fruit. God led his people to the promised land, but what did they do? They were scared. They were fearful. And God already gave them land. All they had to do was step into it. If I go, this is, this is probably the, the thought process in their minds as they're looking at the promised land and they're seeing the giants. They're probably at the edge and they're saying something like, man, if I go where God's telling me to go, I die. If I don't go where God's telling me to go, I'm going to live. But what kind of a life do you think you'll live if you're living in sin? If God's telling you to go this way, you might die by going this way, but by going this way, you're going to live. What kind of a life is that? Sounds like a life of handcuffs. You're, you're, you're locked into your decision rather than God's decision. Reminds me of my hero, a Scottish warrior named William Wallace. He says this, you've come to fight as free men and free men you are. What will you do with that freedom? Will you fight? Fight and you may die. Run and you will live at least a little while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for just one chance to tell our enemies, you may take our life, but you'll never take our freedom. See, the enemy wants you captive to his way of thinking. He wants you in bondage. And when you choose something other than what God's telling you to do, you're agreeing with the enemy. And now he has you captive. You're in bondage to his way of thinking. And 1 John 4, 8 says this, there's no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. And fear involves torment. Romans 8.15 says this, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Jesus himself said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. When that giant, whatever he looks like, when he rips off the roof of your house and he's staring at your children, what are you going to do? Are you going to cry? Are you going to cry out to Abba, Father? When we choose our own path aside from God's path, we put handcuffs on ourselves and now we are in bondage. Fear of God frees us to go. Fear of man freezes us. Fear involves torment. 
all God wants you to do is go where, where he's leading you. Do what he's asking you to do. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For we're not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind in Jesus Christ. I'll say it again. Power, love, and a sound mind in Jesus Christ. So how do I choose faith over fear? Number one, put my faith in the finished work of the cross. Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross pays not only for your sin, but it also bridges this legal gap between you and this giant. You don't stand a chance without Jesus fighting the giants. Number two, I can choose faith over fear by getting to know Jesus Christ by reading the word of God. I can choose faith over fear by reading the word of God. Number three, I can choose faith over fear by getting to know who? The other people of God by coming to church, by coming to fellowship, by studying the word of God in fellowship, in groups, we can assure us that we are choosing faith over fear. And the final way to ensure that I choose faith over fear is by praying. The Bible says to pray nonstop. It's the will of God for you to pray nonstop. So you pray in the morning, you pray at night, and then it's crazy because all these interactions you do all day long, you're praying about them. Do I turn left? Do I turn right? Do I, do I go meet with Josh at Arby's or do we, do we skip it or, or do I talk to Heather? Like these are the things you're talking to God throughout the day, just, just doing those things. And so what's the, what's the conclusion of, of this message? Is you may be in bondage right now. You may be to that point where God has led you right up to the point, but you're in bondage. The fear has frozen you in that spot. Don't let fear freeze you from taking possession of of what God has brought you to do. Caleb says, "We're, We're well able, and in Jesus Christ, we are well able. Don't let fear of man tell you no. And when I say man, I'm saying you guys, you're a man, you're a woe man. You can tell yourself no just as easy as the the crowd can. Don't listen to the crowd. Proverbs 1.7, Proverbs 9.10, Proverbs 15.33, Psalm 111 verse 10 all say just about the same thing. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and he will teach you how to get where you need to go. So I conclude with what I started with. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's the end of, that's the end of man. That's all we need to do. So as we close out, if you're in here right now and you've not made a profession of faith that you believe in Jesus Christ and you, you want him to come in and cleanse you from unrighteousness and forgive you of your sin, you can do it there or you can meet one of our guys in the back or out in the lobby.
but it's time to do business with the Lord. It's time to get right with God and be forgiven of your sin so that you can fight these giants without fear. And the same thing goes for the ones that already know Jesus. You've already been born again. If you're in this room and you're fighting giants, the same people are back there. They want to pray with you to make it through those those times that are going on right now and the times that are coming. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.